Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Even as we go ahead as well as share our greetings and hear from Director Grace. Good morning, Director. Good morning, Pastor Sharon. Good to see you. Great to see you. Great. Yes. How is it? How was your week? My week was busy. Was busy. Yes. Busy is good. Busy, yeah. Busy is good. Yes. Any greetings this morning? Is there someone who wants um, to say hello to? I sent greetings to my son, Timothy. Timothy, yeah. come on now. Yes, yesterday you were saying you've never sent me greetings. Oh, he told you. Eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. Timothy, two, two. <laughs> Yeah. So, Tim, I send you greetings. You send? Yeah. Now, sins are forgiven. Now, sins are forgiven. Yeah. All right. That is very good. Guys, you can also send greetings, not on this mic, but on YouTube. Yeah. So, go ahead and post those greetings. If you're lucky, we might get to read them out and say hello to your friends and your family members. Of course, I cannot start the show without bringing greetings from my location pastors, Pastor Stephen and Florence Senyonjo. They send you your greetings, yes, yes. And of course, we want to send our special greetings to Apostle Moses Mokisa, the father of our house. Yes, and um, Rev Ma, of course, Pastor Ari. We thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for loving businesses and wanting to see them grow and thrive and prosper. And that's why we have episodes like this and segments like this. They're all about business. They're passionate about seeing the bone of poverty broken in our country. And so these are some of the platforms that they've come up with in their vision. So thank you very much, Apostle. Thank you very much, Pastor Ari. What would we be without you? Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for clapping. Who is that? May they clap for you also you one day. Yeah. All right. And like we say today we have an exciting show. We are going to talk about scaling for growth. I'm sure many of you have heard the word scaling and we're not talking about fish. We are sending greetings to Fresh Chenyanja. That's not the scaling we are talking about. We are talking about scaling for growth in business. And like I said, it's a teaching segment. So we are going to hear what is scaling all about. We all know that many businesses make it and some do not. I think more make it than those that do not make it. Or more don't make it and more make it. I don't know which one it is. But many go to the next level to the extent of $10 million plus while the rest continue to play small. And so we want to find out how. How can we go to the next level with the conversation about scaling. Scaling for growth. So first of all to Director Grace. What is scaling? So there are two words in there. Yeah. There's scaling and there's growth. Do they mean the same thing? You know, help us. Scaling, growth. What's the difference between the two? Is it the same thing? No, they're not the same. And people interchange those terms. So, Pastor Sharon, you're growing. You're not scaling. I can never look at you and say, you're scaling. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, growth is different from scaling. And scaling is different from growth. Like I said, people interchange the terms uh, uh, at ease, with ease. But what is growth? Growth, 
was going to say is growing, but <laughs> <laughs> growth is when your top line revenue improves from one point to another, and you can grow linearly. Most of the growth is actually linear growth. What does that mean? You start a business and your revenues are maybe say 100,000 per day. You can put whatever currency you want, depending on the level of faith that you have. And so when you have 100,000 per day, <coughs> you add extra inventory and the business, the revenue grows. Or you add an extra person and it grows. That is growth in revenue, really. Mm. Scaling is when you rearrange the operations of the business in such a way that revenues grow and profitability also grows. It is not scaling if the more you, you open, say, locations, the less profitable you become. If you scale before you're profitable, every mistake that you have in unit one, you will scale it. Mm. And you will die sooner. If you scale when you're not profitable, your wisdom is less. Mm -hmm. Scaling, let's say you have one unit. You have a shop. So, make sure it's profitable. If you reduce your cost of goods and you record more profit, then you're scaling. Mm. Even if you have one shop. shop. It doesn't mean that when you have 10 shops, hey, you, you have seen, you have scaled. No. If none of those shops is making profit, or as an entity you're not making profit, then that is not scaling. Mm -hmm. That is an exercise in your own ego. <laughs> but right. far from scaling. Yeah. Scaling has to be bought. So when you start your small shop, let's say you buy your, 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 your gadget, at 30,000 and you say it at 50,000. As more customers, as the customers increase, you'll find that you want to open another location. You want to open another shop somewhere else. And that is where you begin to scale. Mm -hmm. Now, there are challenges with scaling. Okay. 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 Should you scale? Maybe not. Mm, that was going to be my question. Why should someone scale? Should everyone scale? Should you? My own belief is that maybe you shouldn't. But three major challenges with scaling. Number one, in shop one, let's say you have shop one, two, and three. You need leadership. Now, you are in your shop and you're the leader. How will you scale that leadership? Have you built leadership that is scalable? Okay. Number two, you need marketing. Because people know you in one place. We all know pork joints that are in only one location. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what an example. We can all understand that yeah. one. 
and so you move from the other side to Nakulavi. Uh, yes. Yes. Number three. Now you're making me forget. <laughs> Number three. You need a scalable infrastructure. That what you're taking from one place to another is actually scalable. Your systems, your processes, your ERP, your, your way of doing things, that your culture is scalable from one place to another. another. But for, for, for the sake of our discussion, we want to have this, uh, these sessions tackle a scalable business so that you're able to grow a business that actually can scale. That means that your profitables, your profitable, your profit is actually tangible. It's hard, cold cash. Mm. Not just Nothing. profit on paper that hey. you can explain. That one is not profit. Uh, 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 uh. Your profit is actually separated from you and you have it in a separate uh, bank. We can see it. We can see it. Okay. We can eat it, <laughs> if possible. But there are three components I want us to, to handle in the course of maybe the next three weeks mm. that make a scalable business. Number one, we look at leverage sales. Number two, we look at bankable profits. Number three, we look at transferable value. At the end of the day, the business, the value that you think you have in the business must be transferable to the next person. That means that I must value your business as much as you're valuing it. Okay. So if you say your business is $1 million, I also must think that it is $1 million. Mm. But if you don't say, you know, my, my, wife, you, you know, my wife sacrificed a lot eh, mm. for the business. Eh? Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all that will not count. Okay. Yes. But before we even go into that, yeah. what are the benefits? Why should someone think about scaling? And who is that person who should scale? Should we all dream it up? I mean, that should everybody scale? Like, what is the why behind it? Why should anyone dream of scaling? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it benefit me? Does it benefit the people, my clients? What is in it that we... we, we because here we want to create and grow businesses, 1,000 businesses, that's a goal of Business Garage, that are turning over 1 billion. Should those businesses that are going to turn over 1 billion in the very near future, think about scaling. What is in it? What, what is it? If you want to have a business worth leaving behind, if you want to have a legacy business, then you should think about scaling. And you should be able to separate yourself from the business and cut that umbilical cord. The business should be a separate entity from you. But as long as you and the business are the same, then it's not possible to scale. Which takes me to, you know, um, it, the, the, I was just thinking through, uh, there's a reason why God made uh, the, 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 the commandments right at the beginning. And so he created laws the Ten Commandments. And right from creation, bam, he put the laws. And so I want us to look at the laws of scale. There are laws that govern scale. And mm -hmm. if the projection team would help us, um, there are laws that govern scale. And before you actually get your ahead, of, uh, ahead of yourself, you must know what you're facing. Number one, everything that made you great 
during the beginning becomes a liability at scale. Okay. Many people who are business people are good at sales. And their strength becomes the, their individual strength becomes the organizational weakness. Mm. Because when they are good at sales, they can do that only in one location. Yes. And as they scale, they are unable to replicate that Themselves sales ability. Yes. Somebody else, so it yeah. becomes a stumbling block. Many a time you've seen or gone to a clinic and medical center and they say, is the doctor so-and-so there? And if it's not there, the person goes. Because that doctor cannot scale. Mm. Yeah. So everything that made you great during the beginning becomes a bit at scale. Law number two. The more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. Oh, wow. So the more your business can't live without you, the less valuable your business is. And as we shall see later on, maybe in the third week, which makes me go to law number three, which says that law number three, every problem at scale becomes a who problem than a how problem. But let's zoom back. Must you scale? Yes, you should. If you want to leave a good business behind for your children or whichever way you want to exit, even if you want to sell it, you should be able to scale. To scale. Yeah. You see, the future is bright, the way I see it. We're going to have a very bright future. You're likely to live longer than what you think, actually. Amen. So it is better you start thinking about how your business will be um, when you're, I was going to say 50. Um, <laughs> but when you're, when you're in your letter, yeah, you should know what your business looks like. Secondly, most of us have children who are really taller than us. Mm, it's true. Yes. Mm, it's true. That means, first of all, you're living a better life than your parents lived. Your children will live a better life than you're living. It is better that you actually think about how your children will live a better life than what you're living. Yes. A righteous man lives an inheritance for his children. children. So better think yeah. about it now. And that's where scaling uh, kicks in. Children's children. Yes. That's how you do it. Correct. So let's look at, at, a, at a couple of things. In 1955, between 1955 and 2019, if you look at the Fortune 500, Fortune 500 are the best 500 companies performing in the U.S., only 52 have stayed on that uh, Fortune 500. That means 90% are wiped out. So how can you build your business in such a way that um, it, it, it works and works in your absence? One of the, uh, my long-time uh, mentors told me that, he says this, never show up without a team. Okay. Okay. He gives the example of a gentleman. There, there used to be a, music, a musical guy called Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. I, I, <laughs> some people in the audience know him. One uh -huh. <laughs> knows him. <laughs> Frank Sinatra 
never pushed pianos. Yeah. All he did was he came, he played and went off. So there must be a team that works around you and you work with. But for the sake of our discussion, let's look at number one. one. Number one is leveraged cells. I don't remember who said, give me a lever long enough and I'll move the world. The world. You need a lever. If you look at your business and I task you people in the audience, in studio audience, even online. If you look at the revenues that you made in June, July is still on, so June, how much did you make? And how much did your team make? If you made, let's say again for the purpose of our discussion, a hundred thousand, and you say Arthur made, the business made a hundred thousand. Okay. And then we say, sales made by Arthur, eighty thousand. That means that your leverage sales are twenty thousand. That means that the sales that you can make through other people other than you are 20,000. You should be able to tell how much sales you're making and how much you're able to make through other, other people. people. And as you grow your business and as you attempt to scale it, you actually should be, as a business person, the entrepreneur, able to make zero sales. Zero sales. If sales for June were 100,000, sales by Arthur 100,000, mm. then you have a problem. Because you're the most valuable at that and point. And you are the mm. problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So we look at how we can make sales through other people. Mm. And that is when you move to having time not to work in the business, but on, on the, the business. business. So when, you're, when, 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 when you are talking about leverage sales, they should grow. Because you are adjusting the levers within the organization. And so it should get better that you have brought down the cost of wheat, for instance. Mm. And it makes sense now to hire another person who will handle that aspect of buying the wheat and replicating it across wherever you are located. In fact, it should get better with time and as you grow. Mm. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Let me give you an example. Um, if you have a billboard, for instance, and it costs you $4 million to have a billboard per month, you have 10 locations, then the cost per unit is 400000 A one location will have to contemplate whether it is wisdom to spend $4 million, four million on yeah. that. 
So as you grow, your cost should come down. down. Now you are scaling. scaling. So if the revenues go up, but the costs go down. Yes. Now it makes sense for you to actually scale. Now you're having leveraged sales. Now you can step back and the more you expand, the better actually the business becomes. But you see, we must answer when we, 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 are, we are building all this up, we must answer a few things. We must create a growth engine. And the growth engine helps us answer one question. Where are your customers made? Because if you really understand where customers are made, then you will understand how to get more of them. Let me explain. It is imperative and important at some point that as a CEO, you actually go ahead and play golf and sign up with the golf club. Because the golf club is a big catchment area of other CEOs. And so they are the decision makers. And so many decisions and many roadblocks will be put away when you actually know where your customers are made. A golf game, a, golf, a, a game of golf becomes an imperative for the business, not a luxury. Now, that means that you actually change the way of thinking. When you see, if you drive up Akasha Avenue and there's Uganda Golf Club on your right, and you see those guys going to play golf <laughs> at 7 a.m., yeah. they are working. Mm. Wow. Once we be thinking they've arrived. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> they are working. And they organize. Everyone is going to work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the organization is where they are going. Recognizes yes. that kind of work. Because they are able to work through you who is driving very fast or in a border mm. going to, oh, to, the to, office. To, to the office. Yes, mm. They have realized leveraged sales. Mm. So they are able to get that. But when I'm going to come back and I'm going to circle back to that. So where are your customers made? When you understand where your customers are made, Many people cannot answer that question, by the way. Um, I forget who said that many, many business people don't even know why customers buy from them. You think we actually come to buy from you for one reason, and yet it's a completely different uh, reason. But when you have your growth engine well mapped out, then you can move to create a flywheel. But I'm going to come to the flywheel. But let me just give you a, a let me, let, let me example. Let's say, when you're talking about um, leverage sales and where your customers are and how you're going to build a growth engine, let me give you uh, an example of a baby. You really badly need a baby. So you say, you know what? I'm going to go to the maternity ward. 
because I see babies there. Wow. <laughs> so you go and peep inside the bandage and you see babies really crying everywhere. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> then you passionately wait at the door and plead and say, give me a baby. No one will give you a baby. A baby. You get frustrated. You come to the pastor. Say, pastor, believe with me for a baby. Mm. I was at the maternity ward this yesterday mm. and none of those mothers gave me their baby. Mm. May God touch their hearts and change them. <laughs> what a prayer. And you go back and no one gives you a baby. a baby. Then they tell you there are antenatal clinics somewhere. Then you say, let me go there. I can build a relationship okay. with those pregnant ladies. So by the time they give birth, they just give me at least those who have two, give me one. <laughs> and they mean one. You're looking for your customers in the wrong places. Mm. You want a baby? Go get married. Mm. Now, <laughs> those that are is, the suppliers. <laughs> exactly. Now, that is where we miss it. We think we understand our customer journey, and yet we don't. So we are unable to replicate it. Which brings me to the flywheel. Please project the flywheel. So when you have your growth engine, mm -hmm. you really understand your customers. That they are, that first of all, that they are promoters, they are strangers, they are prospects, and then you have customers. And you don't treat a promoter like a customer. Neither do you treat a prospect like a stranger. But don't treat also a stranger like a customer. So who am I when I come to your business? You need to understand that growth engine. And when you really understand it, and measure at every point of intersection, then you're going to have data. That data will then be plotted. Either it is red, orange, or green. And when you improve how to turn strangers into prospects, into customers, into promoters, then you have built a flywheel. And therefore, your customers, you've really reached out and created your customers. You have a growth engine that has given birth to a flywheel, and the flywheel automatically creates other customers. When your customers are now looking for, for, business, for you. business for you, yeah. guess what? Your cost of acquisition has substantially is zero. Mm. Because now your client is looking for clients for you. At no fee. At no fee. <laughs> So customer acquisition cost is zero. And when you're really uh, tackling each stage of this uh, cycle and measuring it, then your customer lifetime value, that means the time the customer is going to spend with you, is actually going to grow longer, longer. and longer. Yeah. And therefore, it makes sense for you to actually scale. Scale at that point. What are we dealing with? Why all this? 
you're looking at leveraging cells. How can you use other resources? How can you use other people? How can you use other things to actually create more customers at a less less or no cost? Yes. For you. Yeah. Let me throw it back to you now. Wow. I hope you guys are paying attention and taking notes. Thank you very much for clapping for director for explaining that first level what you need to do when you are thinking about scaling. So first we have seen that everybody needs to scale especially if you want a generational business. Yes. And we have seen that scaling is talking about increasing your revenue while reducing your cost. So it doesn't mean more outlets you are a scaling guy, you know? So when you look at people with outlets, don't be in a hurry to do the same thing. You must make sure you're profitable you're at a certain level before you consider scaling. And we have talked about leveraging sales as one of the first levels in scaling. One of the first things to consider before you come to that point. We've also seen that if you're the most valuable guy in your business, then your business is not ready to scale. You should be able to replicate yourself, your systems, your processes efficiently in another space for it to look like you're scaling so that you can make more money at, again, reduced cost. So for me, that's what stands out for me. The cost shouldn't be higher. Then you say that we are scaling. You know, it's normal to increase costs as you scale. You know, that's what we've always thought. So thank you very, very much for that. I don't know if there are any questions. Allow us to quickly go back and check and ask. So, Director Grace, is this applicable for products and services? Is it easier for services? You know, because they're different industries. Those who are into products, those who are into services. Is this the same for all of them? Because someone in production might say, okay, that's going to be a bit tricky for me to do this, manufacturing. What are your thoughts? Customers are faithful. And customers are faithful to themselves. Hey, wow. Okay. <laughs> we thought to us. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are faithful to their own need. And where you're unable to scale your... So, so let me maybe put it this way. Customers are faithful, and they are faithful to their need. And their need will not only be in product or service. When I need a service, I need a service. When I need a product, I need a, a product. So, for instance, let me ask you. If you are a church, and I go to Mbarara, for instance, and you don't have business in Mbarara, you don't have a location in Mbarara, I'm faithful to my needs. I will find a church that offers a service based on my specs, and I'll attend that church. It's your problem that you don't have a location in Barara. When I want a product, I want it. When I want it, as a customer. So the point I'm making is, this is applicable regardless of a service, regardless of a product. Of course, for a service, it's much harder to replicate yourself. But right from the beginning, you should ask yourself, how will this business work without me? And in the design of the business, it should be a question you should be able to ask yourselves or yourself if you're the proprietor. How do you want this business to actually work? Am I going to be the first? Am I going to, be, am I going to work with and through other people? 
if it is you, and sometimes the more specialized you are, the more people rally around you. So for the brain surgeon, for instance, it will become harder for him to scale. You become what some other person called a, a dancing bear. When, when you are the only one who can dance to the uh, audience. And so when you're not there, that is it. And that is sometimes a challenge with, say, uh, musical artists. When they are the ones, then you're the one. And you must know the limitations to scaling what you're offering. Then you're going to, therefore, productize your service. So if you're a musical artist, then you're going to have CDs. Do they still have CDs? <laughs> or DVDs. <laughs> yeah, Spotify, uh -huh. online and all exactly. those spaces. So yeah. you're going to add a product component to your service that then can reach places where you are not physically. Because you know inherently you can't be in all those places. You're going to have a, 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 a teaching online. A demand... Yes. Uh, yeah, Mastermind, ETC. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that you are somewhere. In a way you're scaling through by productizing your service. All right. Yeah. All right. So it is possible for services and for products. Correct. Yes, everybody is, is, is possible. It's possible to scale. We have some questions online. I think we want to handle those. Yeah. I think teachers like questions. Yes. Yes. So let's get questions from those that are online. Uh, thank you all of you that are online. I see Alan. I see Bernard. Uh, Owen is here. Kathy. Atkunda. Arnold Atwine. Thank you so much for tuning in. So we have the first question for, from um, Irene. Irene is asking what processes are involved in cost reduction as we scale? It's generic a question because I don't understand which 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 sector you're dealing in. But um, when we look at the third law of scale, okay, that as you scale, it will be more of a who, not a how. So why she's asking a how? The who? There is a person. Let's go back to the example I gave you. You have a shop. So you have a little young girl who sells and makes um, 100,000 per day. There is a who who actually can make a million shillings per day. Mm. I usually say that the first job of the entrepreneur is to hire. As an entrepreneur, you must be able to sniff talent there is someone who can give you 10x rather than your brother or your sister-in-law who you're working with. Mm, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Solve marital problems at home. <laughs> there is a who that can actually bring down your costs tremendously. You just need to find them. So like we always say, the answer to your problem rests with a man. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a who. Yes. Uh-huh. So find the right who's. The right who's will come with that mindset of how to actually bring down the costs. And the right who's no other who's. Mm. Yeah. So if you have a high performing team, they also know other high performing people who will say who they'll say that person can better add value can here. Can join us here. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. But guess what? The wrong who's also no other wrong who's. <laughs> and they will bring them also. Correct. All right. So it's again your responsibility as an entrepreneur to find the person to help you in this. Pastor journey. Sharon, let yes. me answer that question again in a different way. Mm. I think it was Patrick Lenshon who was saying that. For you as an entrepreneur, what are you? Are you an A? Because yeah. you, <laughs> you, wow, mm. you, uh-huh. so you are a B entrepreneur. You want to get attract A. Nah. Nah. You need to, you need to be up. an A mm-hmm. to attract A's. Now, B's attract C's. Not other bees. Nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the first step is make sure you get better as an entrepreneur. If you hope to get better. You well. should. You know, if you hope to get better mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So that you become an A and attract other A's. But sometimes while your business is doing badly, you as an entrepreneur, you are the problem. You're a B. So attract bees don't attract bees. Bees attract C's. Mm. Yeah. Because bees want other people who they can dominate. Mm. So they are scared of attracting bees. They attract seeds. Seeds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. I hope we've answered your question and you have uh, clarity. Yes. And uh, there's another person that had a question. And um, let's see. Let's see. I think those are the people. Did I miss a question along the way? There's someone who had a question that was pretty interesting, but I think you've answered the problem of processes that are involved in there, and um, yeah, I think that's it. Those are the questions we have at the moment. People are cheering you on, director. They are happy with what you're saying. Uh, people are asking, how will this business work without me? The question you have been, <laughs> you have been answering throughout the whole thing. You know, they can't imagine their business is working without them. Emily, we send you greetings, Dr. Emily. The, the, this is... The, first, there's something that um, I found this week. For many people, their businesses are the other family member. The business is a family member. So when you ask someone how many family members you have, they should start with their business, <laughs> <laughs> my wife, and children. So that family member should be made to grow and get out of the the family as quickly as possible. That family member called business should be exited. Because the members of your family, the other members of your family, actually know that this is our family member. Yes. And we can do And that family member comes number one. One. As you scale, ask that family member to step out. All right. So if you're still holding on to your business and you're not ready to let go, you're not ready to scale. Correct. So it, there's just a mindset eat, change eat your that's, money. that's necessary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Someone actually was saying, if you just want to be happy, live alone, be there with your thing, then this scaling conversation is not yours. Correct. Yes. But we have said that for us, we want to create generational businesses. Correct. That's why we are in business garage, businesses yeah. that impact the kingdom especially. And those businesses cannot be feed my family business. You have to think about the economy at a large, at a whole large scale. Yeah. Someone is saying, how do you resist the pressure to scale? 
especially when you spot an opportunity. Is that scaling? That each time I spot an opportunity in a new area, I know ginger, my product would sell. Let me go quickly. It's not How an opportunity. That? It's not an opportunity. No. <laughs> um, it's not an opportunity if you cannot fund it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if they say Crescent Towers is being sold, okay. <laughs> Don't say there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity <laughs> for me to buy Crescent Towers. Nah, 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 nah. But if you check your bank balance and you can make the bid happen, there's an opportunity. Uh-huh. That's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You see, Jim Collins, I quote, said that more companies die of indigestion rather than starvation. They take on every bit that comes dressed as an opportunity. But there are many opportunities outside there. You should select the one that you actually go for. Not everything dressed as an opportunity is an opportunity. opportunity. So don't worry. Think big. Think in terms of um, there's a surplus for everyone. And that is not for me. Mine is coming. Have an abundance mentality. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to jump on everything. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Thank you very, very much, Director. I know that many people still had a lot going on. We still wanted to learn more. There was silence in here. I think those people who are thinking of scaling tomorrow have a bit of work to do in terms of the people, the team that you have. How do you leverage the sales in your team so that your revenues are going up while your costs are being kept at a low? That's the first way that you can know that, yes, I'm ready to scale once you're, you're at that level. All right. Thank you very, very much. And of course, uh, we do not like to leave this show without giving you an opportunity to make the most important decision. I saw somewhere that scaling is about really four Ds and one of them is decision. So today we want to ask you a question to make a decision, the most important decision in your life probably. And that is the decision to start a walk with God, to start a relationship with Jesus. For that person that hasn't yet made that decision above all, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life as a business owner, as an employee, as just anybody out there. Because once you get to know that, then you get to understand that even the questions about scaling are questions that were answered long time ago. Even when we look at Jacob, Jacob practiced scaling. That's how he was able to. That's how his name is still great up to this day because he practiced that. So we can see that scaling is a historical thing. It has always been there since beginning of time. But we want you to start a relationship with the author of all these things that we are talking about. So if you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, we would like to ask you, I ask you today to make that decision today. So if you're there, you can say this prayer with me. It's a very simple one. It's a very simple prayer. So if we can, let us pray together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for my life. Thank you that my life is your life. Thank you for your gift of salvation. And today, I receive that gift of salvation. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. And let me do life with you. 
In your name I have prayed. Amen. All right. And if you have made that decision today, trust me, things are going to change. And so I would like you to call this number plus 256-775-642-449. Let me repeat that. Plus 256-775-642-449. There is a pastor at the end of that line who is ready to explain more about the decision you just made and plug you into a space where you can walk with someone even as you start this new life. And to our studio audience, thank you very much. You have been absolutely awesome. Uh, We are excited. And please do share what it is that you learned. We would like to hear from you. What have you learned and what are you going to do differently? Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555. We're taking territory.